Hi everyone, welcome to Make the Shift with the Legal Work. I'm super excited about our guest today. Okay, I know I say that every week, but literally all our guests are super exciting. Today I have Tandi Makubela who's joining us. Um, I'm just going to give you a brief introduction to Tandi. Um, before I get into the introduction though, I have a secret story that even she doesn't know. So how I <laughs> discovered Tandi is um, through another I guess, influencer slash writer slash, you know, a, a Instagram personality that I follow, Otega Uyagba. And uh, Otega hosted an event uh, for women and discussing exactly that women's issues, uh, race, all of that. And um, so I was, I was listening, she translated the event onto a podcast episode for those of us who don't live in the UK to keep up with the conversation. And so she translated that conversation, as I said, into the podcast, and she posted a couple of images from the event on her IG. So I was scrolling through her Insta, and I see this girl who is looking so fly in these white boots, and I'm like, who is this? And then I, I I clicked on the name and it was Tandy and I'm, I started scrolling through her gram. I'm such a stalker. I started scrolling through her IG and I was like, I need to follow her. I don't know who she is, but she's amazing. And I, and guys, I really, really recommend that you go and uh, look at Tandy's IG account. I'm going to put um, her handle on the show notes so that you can get, like go and see it for yourself. She is like a style extraordinaire she's highly highly opinionated she says things that make me clap my hands i'm like yes this is exactly what i was thinking and i'm so glad that somebody has been able to articulate it in a way far better than i ever could so welcome oh, wow. sandy welcome to make sure for the legal work <laughs> oh what an introduction <laughs> <laughs> and i haven't even gotten into all the things that you've done in your career so far and why we thought you'd just be such an amazing guest for the podcast Oh, I'm definitely going to tell Otega because we, we've actually become um, friends since I that event. so hard. <laughs> and I, 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 saw, I actually found Otega through another influencer and I went through <laughs> Otega's profile and I bought um, the little black book that day on my Kindle. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm committed. Oh, she'll be really pleased by that. <laughs> okay, right. So uh, just to give our audience um, a taste of who you are. So Tandy is obviously from South Africa. You can hear by the name. And uh, Tandy uh, started her career at Bowman's and she worked her way up uh, to associate in uh, the M&A team. And after that, she left for the UK and joined a firm called Garden and Theobald, um, where she worked as a legal advisor. And um, Tandy has now spent the last eight going on nine years at Deloitte, where she is a director. So as you can hear, uh, these are both firms in the UK. And so Tandy has dual jurisdiction qualifications. So she's qualified as an attorney or solicitor in uh, the courts of England and Wales, as well as South Africa. So she is the perfect transition queen. And um, <laughs> we, we just can't wait to get into it and uh, hear about your journey as you made your move from practicing in South Africa to practicing in the UK. So I'm going to start off with my first question, Tandy. What motivated you to make the switch from SA uh, to the UK? Sure. Do you know what? I think it was more of a lifestyle choice, Omev. And there's a bit of a story behind it. So when I was in my early 20s, uh, I decided to go backpacking in South America. Uh, and I went to Rio and I didn't know anyone. I was on my own. And for some reason, I'd gotten into my head that I wanted to travel to countries where I didn't know the language. Um, and I met uh, a girl 
uh, well, woman now, her name is Julia. And I met her on this tiny island off the coast of Rio and we just hit it off. And she was doing the same thing, traveling around and she was from London. And so we stayed in touch when I came back home, as in home in South Africa, and she went back to London. And I would, for the next kind of few years, I would go travel to London to visit her uh, over the summers. And I realized actually, I really like London. Uh, and why do I not move? So I just thought, if not, why not? And I just packed up, quit my job, and I moved over. <laughs> it is amazing. <laughs> it is so amazing. <laughs> I love the story and I love your your spirit of adventure and um, as I said like if you go on Tandy's page it really does shine through uh, if you go on her IG page it really does shine through and um, I just think it's so awesome I love I love your adventurous spirit and I hope it rubs off on someone in our list one of our listeners who's you know thinking of doing something similar and so while you're making the transition from the UK, to, from the U, from SA to the UK, I know it's not, it's never as simple, take it from me and from my own experience. Um, but can you just tell us a bit about uh, your support system that helped you, you know, make the switch actually? So your community, your friends, your family, and uh, what that process was like for you, as well as, you know, also writing the qualification exams. For those who don't know, you have to write um, a conversion exam so that you can uh, practice law in the UK and be, um, you know, eligible to practice law in England and Wales. And uh, it's, it's a tough exam. And uh, obviously, Tandy is amazing because she cleared it and she's now a director. So can you just walk us through what your transition was like and, and in your support system during um, those first couple of years? Yeah, sure. So um, I, I suppose I would start off before I kind of left home. So obviously I you know, told family and where I was currently working at the time, Bowman's, that I wanted to move over to the UK. And I was really lucky to have a supportive family and a supportive boss and team that kind of supported me in that move. It wasn't difficult relaying that message of wanting to change track in my life. And I think I think that's that's key. So if you have that base support in, in making such a big shift in your life, it does does make things or does can make things a little bit easier. Um, and then in terms of when I came over here, I mean I didn't really know anyone. I knew uh, Julia, the, the the lady that I met in in mm -hmm. Brazil. Um, in fact, I stayed with her for the first month or two. Um, mm -hmm. And then another friend of mine from South Africa was here. But other than those two people, I was very much on my own. So um, they were great support, but I think I found a lot of strength within myself to kind of figure things out that, you know, I thought would be simple, like, you know, opening up a bank account, which is much to my surprise at the time, not so easy to do if you don't live here and don't have a formal postcode. Um, finding a place to live, you know, going on interviews, navigating the recruitment process here because it's slightly different to back home. Um, so yeah, there were a lot of challenges, but I think with alongside the support of my friends that were here, my family back home, and very much myself, my conviction that I had in myself, I think I kind of made that made that transition through, and I think I made that transition quite well. Great, I love that. Um, uh, I th you know, it's so true. I think um, you know, coming from my own experience, uh, you know, there's things that we take for granted about you know, living at home and, and, and our systems at home uh, that you can now at, with FNB send a selfie and someone opens a bank account for you. Um, whereas, you know, outside of South Africa, it's not quite the same, especially when you don't have, um, you know, uh, the right 
government documents or you don't have an address or you know all of that stuff it can be quite tricky and um you know it can be a little bit frustrating but once you cross those hurdles then you know things just sort of fall into place um so i'm glad that you had your family and the handful of friends in the uk that you did that helped you to 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 go through that stage and that leads that's a nice segue to my next question which is a bit twofold so I wanted to ask you, what is the one thing you wish you knew going into or before you moved to the UK? And what is one thing that you wish you knew moving into a space of leadership? Because now those are two separate trans transitions. One is geographic and the other is um, or from a leadership or management perspective. So in those two areas, in those two transitions in your life, is there something that you wish you knew going in or something that you, 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 you wish you had known at the time? Sure. Okay. So in terms of what I wish I knew moving into the UK, so being a South African, I think I took for granted how candid we are back home. So we just kind of tell it like it is, and we're just quite open and honest about what it is that we think something you know, has happened or our experience or our views on things. I very quickly learned that in the UK, things are a lot more nuanced. Mm. Um, and the very direct approach is not something that is appreciated in most circles, especially in the professional circles. Maybe it's a, a legal thing, who knows? So right. I had to kind of temper my approach. Um, maybe not soften because I don't like to use that word. Um, <laughs> just, <laughs> um, but temper my approach and maybe um, convey my messaging in a slightly different way. Gotcha. So that was a learning curve. And then in terms of leading, being in a leadership position, it's kind of a two-edged sword. It's one of the things that I enjoy most about being in a leadership position, but also what, something that I found quite challenging is the fact of managing quite a big team mm. and all the different personalities that come in that team, having to flex my style to different individuals and, and really trying to understand that it's not necessarily about me and what I want to get from that individual. You kind of have to pivot that and think about it from what does my team member need from me so that they can be the best version of themselves. And that is a learning curve and I haven't got to the end of that and I'm still adjusting. But I think that's, that's one of the big transitions that, I've, that, I, that I found or that I noticed in, lead, in moving into a leadership position. Ooh, that is so good. That is so good. And, um, so if someone listening to the podcast is, is thinking about making a transition, um, you know, outside of SA or someone or, you know, some, we have a wider international audience as well who might be considering, you know, a move, especially given that things are a lot more uncertain uh, job wise in local markets as well as international markets, given um, the global pandemic that we've been in. But what would you what advice would you give to someone who's considering, you know, moving cross jurisdictionally or outside of their jurisdiction and looking to start a career, you know, away from home? I suppose the, the right answer that I should give is you should know what it is that you're looking for. And I think that I suppose that's a bit of a challenge for me to say that because I didn't necessarily know that when I made the move. And I think I was just lucky that things or luck played a large part in things falling into place for me. Mm. But I think if you go into a move or you, if you go into a shift into another stage of your life, having a rough idea of what it is that you're looking for, it makes things a lot easier. You're able to 
distill the things that you need in your life and things that you don't need in your life that will take you off track in terms of what it is that you're trying to achieve mm. cool and then um so you strike me as somebody who shows up every day to work as their authentic self just for our, our listeners benefit during um pan- this pandemic and working from home tendy gets dressed up every day as if she's going to the office and while the rest of us are wearing sweatpants and you know a duke or like you know just bumming it tandy shows up every day as her authentic self she's completely unapologetic about who she is and so you know and she also has a lot of interest outside of just her nine to five so this question is also for my personal benefit but just for 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 anyone who's struggling with showing up authentically in their workspace how do you balance um how do you balance being showing up as your authentic self and also um you know managing perspectives in the workplace and also you know your online community how do you juggle all of those things and still manage to to show up every day as yourself without having to you know um sort of squash make yourself small or you know play smaller for the benefit of certain audiences if that makes sense no, no, it does. But I also do want to qualify that I do have those days where I am wearing my duck and my sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be glam every day. Um, <laughs> um, do you know what? So I think leaving private practice played a large role in me getting more comfortable in expressing myself in different ways through work and through my interests outside of work. Because I think, and and I'm not blaming private practice as a sector, I think I felt quite limited in that world in terms of what I was able to do and who I, would, I could be and how I could express myself. Mm. So I think moving outside of that world and moving into um, an in-house role gave me the chance to, I suppose, rewrite who I wanted to be mm. um, because it was a, a completely different and new environment. In terms of, you know, balancing the different aspects of my life, I'm a firm believer that, you know, your career, it it doesn't need to be a perfect distillation of all your passions. We are multifaceted people. So you might be able to find some joy in your career, and hopefully you do. But there are other parts of your life that will give you just as much joy, if not more. And I think if you're able to tap into those different things, be it, you know, having a bit of fun and creativity online with, with social media, you know, having a great passion for shopping and clothes, which is to my detriment and my bank account's detriment. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, you'll find that you'll meet different people and you'll be exposed to different ways of thinking and different ways of conversing. And that actually then, you know, plays back into your career because you approach things differently and you, you'll become more human, I think, when you can move around your career and the people that you work with. Absolutely. And, you know, because... I don't know if it's a SA market versus UK market thing, but I, I, I find that um, in my own personal journey uh, where you are 
you know, showing up, let's say you have, you're showing up and you're expressing your other interests. Um, you know, people sort of interpret that as a lack of interest in your current job or, you know, I, I was once called abstract. I'm still trying to understand what that means because I enjoy yoga and I like Instagram. So now all of a sudden I'm, I'm abstract and I, I'm not just displaying normal millennial behavior, but, um, you know, um, like, in, in, is do you find that the UK market is more accepting of 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 you know authentic you know living or or people who show up as themselves every day or which market would you say is more accommodating of that the the UK market or the SA market? Based on personal experience, I would say the UK market, mm. but I would caveat by saying that I think it is very much, it ha hasn't always been that way. And right. it is a business driven approach mm. because I think a lot of corporates organizations have realized that if someone is able to be their authentic self at work, they are probably happier. They feel more self-actualized and they will produce better work. So if, you're, if you give your people the space to be who they want to be, mm. you know, obviously within reason, um, I think it makes it a more of an enjoyable experience for them to be in that place of work. So if someone is happy, they're more likely going to be more productive. Absolutely. And, and you know, it just speaks to your point that we are multifaceted human beings. And, you know, we, we, we of course, will have other interests. It really just depends on whatever stage in life you, you, you're in. Um, and as you said, you know, when, when people feel self-actualized, uh, they show up more and show up better in their workspace because they are finding fulfillment and engagement from, from other things to sort of fill in the gap for where maybe this that isn't necessarily the case in their nine to five space yeah and i think it goes to showing how should i say this a depth of character mm -hmm. like there is a real person behind the title of lawyer or director and i think i think that's great that's a great thing to have absolutely and that leads me on to my next question. Um, what has been the role of mentorship in your career if any and um, with with the input of a mentor if you've had one how have you grown and and what is your current relationship with mentorship okay yeah so i am a great believer in um having a being in a mentorship relationship um and that could be for your career as well as you know your personal life um you can either have a direct relationship with someone that you talk to on a regular basis but I also find, or something that I have found personally that I've been doing recently, um, being in a mentorship relationship, and I'll put relationship in inverted commas, with someone that I don't actually interact with. So someone that you see on, on online and you think, you know, I really, you know, I appreciate this person. I really like their views or they make encourage me to think in a different way. You know, the people that you follow on Instagram and, you know, some of them are quite vocal and you kind of read their thoughts and you think, oh, okay, you know, I could apply that to my life. Um, and one of the examples that I, I, I would use is Elaine Walteroth. So I follow her on Instagram. And I really like the presence that she portrays. And I love the fact that she encourages people to just step into themselves. And I quite like that. Um, I love Elaine Walteroth. I also I follow amazing. her. She was, she was on my mood board last year. <laughs> So I, I, I completely get you. She is amazing. And she, um, I, absolutely, to your point, she's encouraging people to step 
outside of themselves and to show up and to to believe in themselves and uh, you know I, I read her book I bought it on on my Kindle as well more than enough and um, yeah it's so important especially even current times that you know as as black women that we we reaffirm those type of messages you know within our community because for so long and even currently we're still being told otherwise exactly so having those visible and not only visible, visible and vocal role, mod role models, they can be your mentors. You know, you Absolutely. don't have to, have to have a direct conversation with them, but they can mentor for you from afar. Absolutely. And, and what I would add to that, I think there should be a distinction between a mentor and a sponsor, because I think a sponsor is equally as important. And a sponsor will be slightly different to you in terms of the purpose that they will serve. They will actively look for opportunities for you to grow um, they will understand what your, your, you know, your, your career goals are and they will try and help you to achieve that. Absolutely. Um, they will be having those conversations when you are not in the room because quite honestly, those are the conversations that open doors and help you progress. Absolutely. So people should focus on having both in their lives. Absolutely. Because uh, some, and as much as I, I'm not knocking um, mentorship, not in any way, but uh, you know, oftentimes you'll find that even if you have a mentor who, who's internal, they're within the same organization as you, they're not always in a position to be in the room and have those conversations around, you know, your growth and your, you know, uh, your progression within the company. So exactly. um, yeah, 100% I'm on the same page as you. Um, and then uh, we encourage vulnerability here at The Legal Work. This is a safe space. Uh, but would you mind sharing with us um, a moment in your transition where you doubted yourself? So as you made the leap from SA to the UK, uh, was there ever a moment where you're like, oh my God, what have I done? Or how am I going to get through this? Or, you know, um, and how did you get yourself out of it? Like what beliefs or practices did you adopt to sort of get through the challenges or to find the strength, as you said, digging deep within yourself? Um, um, how did how did you what what did you do to get to that place to overcome some of your challenges uh, during the early stages or during your transition? So I think for me it would relate to a, a crisis of confidence that I had uh, when I was going through the promotion process before um, where I'm at right now. So. As you mentioned, I'm a director. So before this, this, this level, you are an associate director. Um, and there's quite a rigorous promotion process around that. And um, I was nominated and I was put forward to go through the process. But for some reason, um, I just wasn't backing myself. I was challenged. I, I kept challenging the positions that I was taking. I kept questioning as to, you know, do I deserve to be in this role? Do I deserve this promotion? Um, and you know what, on reflection, because hindsight is an amazing thing, it's I think amazing. it had a lot to do with the fact that at the time I was in a somewhat toxic team and a lot of those, uh, the environment was impacting the way I was viewing myself. Mm. Um, and the reason why I can say that is that I'm no longer in that team and I no longer have those individuals around me. Mm. Um, and there's been a marked difference in my approach and, and my confidence levels in myself and my abilities. Um, and yeah, so I think, you know, just looking back and thinking about that time, yeah, it was, it was like I said, a real crisis of, of, of confidence, but I'm quite glad that I went through that mm. because now I can recognize when I start falling into those patterns of thinking, where I start doubting myself, where that imposter syndrome starts coming in, I can spot it and I can pause it and I can just say, you know, no, this is not happening. 
and then move on. Oh, preach. I think, um, I think, I, I don't know if it's a, a generational thing or, but you know, imposter syndrome is so, so real. Um, and it, 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 get, it gets the, be- the best of us. And I'm so, I'm so thankful that you could share that with us and, and even share the context, um, you know, of having toxic teams. I think this, uh, I'm sure so, so much of this is going to resonate uh, with our listeners. It's resonating with me. You know, we all know practice can be wild, sometimes in-house roles can also be wild and 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 really not being in 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 a team or in a space where you know you you can grow in confidence where you can you you feel empowered and um you know seen uh is so is so can be so detrimental to your growth and and you know your progression and just you as a person it can it can it can be debilitating at the best of times and so you know i i completely relate to what you're saying and um I'm so happy that you're not in that space anymore and that you found ways to, 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 to figure things out. And I think it, it, it involves a lot of self introspection and uh, self-awareness to, to, to identify that it's not you, it's the space. Exactly. Yeah. And speaking of um, you, um, you know, looking back on your transition and looking back at all that you've achieved over the last 10 years, what would your younger self be most proud of right now? <laughs> I suppose the obvious answer would be my career and how I progressed through and, and the fact that, and I speak openly about this, both at work and, and on Instagram, that I can look around the office and you know, there are not a lot of people that look like me. Um, so it's been tough getting ahead. Um, that being said, it is something that I'm focused on because I don't want to be the only one there. Mm. It's not a fun place to be. It's not fun being the only person there. And so we are working on ways to, to change that. Um, but I think over and above what I've achieved in my career, I think I've been most proud of the woman that I've become because I really like myself, um, which hasn't always been the case. And I don't know if it's something that comes with age. Um, I like the woman that I've become. In fact, I love the woman that I've become. Um, we love the woman that you've become. We didn't see the other version, <laughs> <laughs> but we love this one. <laughs> and I think when you get to that space, so many things open up around you, people, opportunities, yourself even. Um, it's just a good space to be in. But I appreciate that it takes time to get there, but it's worth working on yourself to get yourself to that point. It really is. And I think also, you know, speaking to, to making transitions, um, once you get out of your comfort zone and you experience, you know, those, those, those transitions and you experience the, ch- the pain of something new or, some, or, or, or a big change to your life, it, it just, um, it births all of these amazing new opportunities and so much newness and so much, you know, it, it cracks you open and exposes things that you, you, you didn't even know about yourself so that you can come to the point where you're like, what? I, I actually do love myself. Look at what she's been able to do. Look at what she's been through, you know? Um, so, you know, I, I completely, I love your answer and um, we're so happy that you are on the show. And so now we have a rapid fire round. You don't know about the rapid fire round questions that I'm about to ask. Oh, are you, ready? <laughs> <laughs> you just have to say the first thing that comes to your mind. Some of them are tricky. Some of them are super easy, but uh, are you ready? Okay, let's go. Okay. <laughs> What is the one thing you would like to change about the legal industry? 
I would like to see more black women in leadership roles, in exec roles. Uh, I would like to see more black women taking the role of GCs of FTSE 100 companies. That's definitely something that I would like to see. Preach. That is definitely something we'd all like to see. And now this is, this is, I'm excited about this next question because I would, I'm dying to know the answer to this, but what is your go-to power outfit? Tandy's wardrobe is unmatched. Your best friend could never, your favorite could never. So Tandy, what's your go-to power outfit when you need to show up and show out? You know, anything by Roxander. All their dresses are incredible. I don't know what it is, they just know how to design for a woman's body. And I always feel powerful and beautiful and soft at the same time when I wear their dresses. I just cannot go wrong in those dresses. We'll make sure to put them in our show notes so that our audiences can keep up. And, you know, put, you've put us on, so we're, we're on it now. <laughs> <laughs> and what is your biggest email pet peeve? Recently, I've been seeing a lot of nice to e-meet you i have no idea what that is about that sounds horrible um, <laughs> and my skin crawls when i see that i just oh hate God. that so much <laughs> i guess it's because we've been reduced to screens and laptops and that sort of thing so no one's physically meeting anymore so they're like hey nice to eat it sounds very creepy i can't even say it <laughs> <laughs> And uh, what is your most used emoji? You're going to laugh at this one. It's, um, it's the, the little emoji, the, the black girl or the black woman with the crown. So yes. the queen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay. I can't stop spending money on fill in the blank. Ah, oh, dresses. <laughs> they are I thought you were going to say skincare. dresses. <laughs> I thought you were going to say skincare because I'm always looking at your page and like, what, what product is this now that Tanji is talking about? Is it available in Paris? Where do I find it? <laughs> do you know what? You're probably right. It's probably skincare as well. <laughs> I have a problem and maybe I don't want to admit to it. <laughs> Girl, we're going to look after the skin. No one else's, you know, and we, 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 we stay in the black don't crack, you know, team. So I'm for it. <laughs> Um, at the top of my playlist is at the moment Ari Lennox okay and uh, yeah. she has a song called whipped cream I'm gonna which look I love for it. I'm gonna look out for it I haven't I, I swear I'm, I've been I've been like in to keep myself together during these weird times I have literally just been listening to Beyonce any Beyonce because it just instantly lifts my mood so I haven't been so adventurous to listen to new music but I'm gonna put Ari Lennox on my playlist and I'm gonna get into it I mean Beyonce is amazing every time um and this is showing I don't know I wouldn't call it a weakness actually every time <laughs> I go into a meeting or if I have a uh my last promotion panel I actually played Beyonce ego constantly on repeat <laughs> <laughs> I'll share my, my, my song that, you know, gasses me up and gets me ready for like a tough meeting. I play Bow Down because <laughs> it, just, it hypes me up and it gives me this false sense, the false sense of confidence I need just to get through that moment. And then I'm like, okay, did you do it? <laughs> All hell Queen Beyonce. You know, she stays putting us on. She stays affirming us. I love it. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, now this one is, is not really in my usual list, but I've been listening to Brene Brown's podcast a lot. I'm like, on, I'm obsessed with Brene Brown. I'm, I'm on all her books. I'm reading all of them. And she is just reading me for filth for all of my aversion to vulnerability and all of that stuff. And so on her podcast, she asked this question. And I saved this question just for you because I, I'm dying to know this. But she asked her, her guests, what is the last series they binge watched? So Tandy, what is the last series you binge watched? Little Fires Everywhere. I loved it. Did you love it? <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. So I read the book when was it last year, the year before, and I ripped through it. It was such a good book. And usually the adaptation to screen isn't as good, but I just loved it. The pairing of the two of Reese and um Kerry Terry, it just, they were just fantastic. It was phenomenal. I, I, I'm still thinking about, because I, I watched the series first, and I'm still thinking about the characters and some of the themes that they touched on. And it's like, where was this in the 90s? It's set up in the 90s, right? I don't know. Yes. We didn't have this type of language back then, you know? And But it's, it is brilliant. I love that show so much. And I've, I've got the book now, so I'm going to read it um, when I get a chance. And then my last... Oh, you'll enjoy it. <laughs> my last rapid fire on question is, living through a pandemic has taught me, fill in the blank. To not sweat the small stuff. Mm, mm, um, and I say that because I, I'm, I can be a bit of a control freak, I think. And, and I've just learned to let a lot of things go and not take things so personally because there are bigger things in life. Absolutely. The Rona has told all of us control freaks to sit down somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> like, just chill, girl. You're not going anywhere anytime soon. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sandy, thank you so much. You've been an amazing guest and I'm so excited for our audience to hear this episode. This has been brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me on. I really enjoyed this. I'm so glad. Um, we will put in our show notes where you can catch up with Tandy. Um, Tandy, just uh, for our audience's benefit, just tell us what your handle is so that I don't sound like a stalker fan. Uh, on, <laughs> on Instagram, it's Tandy Mac. So the first three letters of my surname. Um, and then I'm on LinkedIn. Perfect. Uh, so that's where, guys, I promise you, just go. Go look at it, IG. It's so lit. Do yourself a favor. Go and look at it. Tandy, thank you so much. It's been such a treat. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you all so much for joining us for this week's episode of Make the Shift with the Legal Work. We look forward to hearing from you and we would absolutely love your feedback on this episode. You can hit us up on email at editor at thelegalwork.com or make sure that you're following us on LinkedIn, reach out to us there or on our Instagram, all under the legal work. In addition, please make sure that you are subscribed to the blog and make sure that you register to receive the weekly newsletter where we discuss all things that pertain to work, lifestyle and journey. Make sure that if you enjoy this, you send this to your friends and your colleagues, everyone that you stand around the water cooler with so that you guys can discuss this and send those discussions back to us. Also, if there's anyone that you think would be absolutely incredible or whose work life and journey you admire in the legal industry, let us know. We would love to know them too. And maybe you might hear them on this podcast. Thank you so much and we wish you an amazing week.